The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. They think they know what's in the Bible, but they haven't read it at all. The, the atmosphere on the universities today is pretty intense, and as a result, that again, I think, plays into this whole idea of the biblical illiteracy that we just sort of have to overcome. He's on the front line of helping believers in Jesus think biblically about the issues that exist in today's world. Kirby Anderson will be our guest on this edition of First Person. Welcome, I'm Wayne Shepherd. We'll talk with Kirby after I remind you that these weekly visits are made possible by the Far East Broadcasting Company, who loves to introduce us to people who are making a difference in the kingdom of God. FEBC's broadcasts and smartphone apps reach into nearly 50 countries with the good news of Jesus Christ, and millions listen and respond. Learn more about FEBC at the website, febc.org. There are videos and many reports telling more of the story. Go to febc.org. And then use our program website, firstpersoninterview.com, to learn more about today's guest and any past guest we've featured, and make use of the audio archive to listen at your convenience. Kirby Anderson is president of Probe Ministries, which you'll learn more about in just a moment, and the host of the daily program, Point of View. On a recent trip to Dallas, I joined Kirby in his studio for a conversation about his life in ministry. Kirby, it really has been too many years since we've spoken. It, it's, uh, I don't know, how many years has it been? Well, we've certainly started working together back in the 1980s, for uh-huh. sure. Everything from Open Line, Primetime America, and all the rest, and uh, very Sherathons and the rest. So it's kind of fun just to see uh, you across the table. Yeah, I and was at Moody I'm, Radio at the yeah, time, right. and, and you were one of our go-to experts. And we called on you. I remember you and I doing election coverage on yes. several occasions, including... 2000, mm-hmm. when George Bush was elected, but it didn't look like he was going to be elected. Do you remember that moment? We I were do. On the air and together? we were saying, wait a minute, let's, let's, let's call this one back here. Florida <laughs> looks like it's still in play. And I remember yeah. that whole conversation. And the rest is history, as yes, they say. Yeah, right? It certainly so, was. So thanks for sitting down with me. And thanks for letting us use your studio in Dallas, the Point of View studio to do this interview. It's wonderful to see you again. And again, the studio looks pretty good, doesn't it? You've been in a few studios over the years. My jaw dropped when I walked in here. (laughs) This is great. So again, we have really wanted to try to do everything we can to not only have good audio, but we also, of course, have cameras. And so that's an opportunity for people to watch the program. And I remember in the old days when people said, who's going to watch a radio program? (laughs) And uh, little did we know. We had some people uh, convince me to put up one camera. At the end of the month, I said, okay, Give me the bad news. How many people really watch? He said, about 30,000. I said, 30,000 in a month? He said, no, that was yesterday. Oh, my goodness. I go, who are these people? (laughs) Now, since then, it's dropped off a little bit. But the novelty for a while was, yeah, we want to just kind of watch what is happening in the studio. And so that's something that I never anticipated. And even in the studio, which this uh, table was originally built for Marlon Maddox, he was convinced nobody would ever watch. But there we are. We (laughs) have people watching it every day and uh, YouTube channels and things of that nature. Well, let's uh, let's spell it out for our listeners. 
listeners because we're on stations that don't carry point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is point of view? Well, Marlon Maddox started it uh, really in a small way in 1972. So again, you think of us as being old guys. This uh, has been around for a very long period of time. So when you start thinking about how he was doing radio for about 10 years mm-hmm. in a local market, it was doing pretty well. And then there were other people that wanted to carry the program. Well, back in those days, the only way to do that was put on reel-to-reel. You remember what the reel-to-reels were? <laughs> I remember. Put it in the mail and mail it, and the station in Houston would play it a couple days later. And sometimes it was time-dated, not too often. But then one day, somebody started saying, you know, have you ever thought about going up on satellite? Now, we're talking about the early 1980s when mm-hmm. really nobody in yeah. the Christian world or the secular world, was doing satellite. And so Marlon said, okay, well, by that time, I'd already been very much involved with him as a guest on the program. Mm-hmm. And obviously, again, kind of a go-to person. I'd also then occasionally been asked to maybe be a guest host. And one particular case, I remember in 1986 when I was teaching a class at Moody, um, um, no, I guess it was at Dallas Seminary at the time, but I was doing Moody Radio. Uh, he asked if I would be a guest host, and I said, okay. And I hit all the breaks at the right time. I'd been doing open line and some <laughs> you things were a like natural. that. And he said, would you like to do this more often? I go, well, I have a day job. I said, well, I'm not talking about every day. But eventually that developed into being not only a guest host, but occasionally a co-host. Mm-hmm. And then many times when he was gone, I would just sort of do a lot of the program. So when he died years ago, Warren Kelly, who's the head of Point of View, said, uh, would you like to do this every day? I go, Again, I have a day job because I start my day at Probe Uh and I come over here and do point of view and then go back to Probe. We'll we'll talk about Probe in a moment. And so, again, that's how that all developed. But uh, since uh, really 2004 in round numbers, I've been the host of this program. And really since 1986, I've either been a host or a guest host on this program. And, of course, it is syndicated and it's uh, online. Anyone can listen and watch online, too. And that is amazing. Again, Wayne, when you see individuals, I'll look at this printout once a month and I'll say, who in Dubai was watching the YouTube broadcast or who in Azerbaijan was listening to the (laughs) podcast? And you know the impact of the internet. I know. I remember the first time they suggested putting a camera in my studio and I thought, why would I want that? I, I've been hiding on radio all day. I don't want to be seen on radio, you know, so we have that in common. We certainly do. But nevertheless, people still watch it. And it is kind of fun because when you have celebrities in the program, we have an opportunity for people to watch the program right next to us and also to watch it online. And so that's yeah. really been a lot of fun as well. Well, it's fun to go inside radio here for a few minutes today sure. with Kirby Anderson. Uh, you mentioned Probe. We'll get to your story in a moment. But Probe Ministries has been a big part of your life. too, And that has been uh, been a part because I joined that in 19- 1976. Actually, I was accepted in 1974, but went to Yale University, got a master's degree, later went and got another master's degree from Georgetown University. And so we were speaking a lot on college campuses. I have uh, served as the president for many years for a while. Then uh, Ray Bolin was the president, and then I was president against whoever gets the short stick that year gets the <laughs> presidency and the responsibility. But the ministry has done very well, and it's kind of a worldview apologetics mm-hmm. ministry. We have a lot of people with a master's or a PhD. We speak on college campuses. We have a short five-minute, now it's a three-minute program. It used to be a five-minute program, as well as we do all sorts of different conferences. And uh, again, the website probe.org is a place. It's been so helpful to so many people through the years. It really is like a Christian think tank is how I describe it. I don't know how you describe it, but... uh, that would be my phrase for it. Christian so. think tank, and like we got the brain barn over there looking at all these <laughs> issues. And really, now, Wayne, one of the things, we've got about 1,800 different articles on there. So almost any question.
questions you would probably have about cults, world religions, apologetics, worldview, business, science, uh, government, all of those are there. And so, again, just go to some of those websites. We'll put uh, links to both probe ministries as well as point of view on our website so our listeners can go there and check you out, Kirby. I want to talk about your story, though. Uh, where does it begin for you? I, I seem to remember something about Berkeley, California. Born in Berkeley, California. All right. Uh, which is not exactly uh, Chicago, Illinois, yeah, or Dallas, Christianity, Texas, or anything it? like that. <laughs> and uh, interestingly enough, uh, my father uh, grew up in the Methodist background, and so oftentimes took us to a very liberal Methodist church, literally across the street from the University of California at Berkeley, uh, even though we lived over the hill in what's called Orinda. So that was kind of my early education of uh, having at least some contact with churches and things like that. But again, a very liberal church. Mm -hmm. I mean, reading Paul Tillich, for example, when you're in junior high school. (laughs) But I also went to an event, which I later found out was a Young Life event, which was held in a bar of all places. They weren't serving drinks, but they used that room there. And so it was one that attracted a lot of teenagers. And this one guy was speaking, and he was mentioning some books. And one book that I found that uh, next week... I think it was on Telegraph Avenue, was a book written by C.S. Lewis called Mere Christianity. Mm-hmm. I also found another one later by John Stott, uh, Basic Christianity. And I read the books and realized what Christianity was. And how and, old were you? And I was uh, probably a sophomore, junior in high school. Okay. Uh, it's my guess. I'd, probably sophomore, because I do remember very in- engaged in witnessing between my junior and senior year okay. when I went to an NSF uh, field uh, program that was up at the University of Montana. So I could say for sure I knew I was a Christian by then. I, I'm guessing you were a pretty studious guy even before yeah. becoming a believer, right? But it is interesting because if you think about it, Wayne, my uh, testimony, everybody has a testimony, really came from apologetics and really came from, in a sense, leading myself to the Lord because I was reading these books. And so in some respects, it was such a natural fit to do what I do today with probe ministries where we're doing worldview and apologetics kinds of things. And even to this day, when I do point of view, I talk about the fact that we really want to help you articulate a biblical worldview, but also know how to defend a biblical worldview. Mm -hmm. And so those were so instrumental in my life. Later on, when I went to college, of course, involved in various groups like Navigators and Campus Crusade when I was at Yale, involved with InterVarsity. So I've really known a lot of those campus groups. How did you come to decide to go to a place like Yale? What, yeah. Tell me educationally, what, what were your goals? What were your plans? By that time, I'd already been accepted to Pro Ministries. As I said, I was accepted in 1974. My wife, who at that time was just somebody I knew, had actually met Jimmy Williams at one of the Campus Crusade events. Uh, that uh, where she was being trained, and he was starting a, point, a probe at that time in 1973. So from 1973 to 1974, when I was graduating from college, I was already aware of the organization, already applied, and already was accepted. But one of the things they said, Wayne, was, you know, it probably would be good if you have an opportunity to get a graduate degree, because mm-hmm. we're speaking on the college campuses all over the United States. And to this day, I've spoken a lot of campuses. And again, uh, the credentials are helpful getting in the door. Right. And so when I was accepted to Yale, I went there, studied uh, basically evolution, ecology, those kinds of things, because I knew I was going to be speaking on intelligent design and creation evolution. But you went in as a Christian and came out as a believer? Yeah. Yeah. As, and then, of course, when I went to Georgetown, I went there because I After a while, I found myself speaking on all these political issues. And even though I'd been a vice president of the student body and a lobbyist to the state legislature and things like that, 
I just found that it was good to have that degree. So studied with people like Gene Kirkpatrick, who was U.S. UN ambassador, mm-hmm. and George Kerry and others. So, and then of course I've taught at the seminary because I had to get some of that seminary education. So when you put all that together, it gives me a chance to talk about all sorts of different kind of issues on radio and even face to face. And one of the other opportunities God has given you is Dallas Theological Seminary, right here in your backyard, where you've taught uh, adjunct for many years, right? And again, that has been something that's been a lot of fun because I've been able to teach a lot of the ethics courses there. Uh, each year, I also go to places like Word of Life in Hungary and teach in their Bible institutes. And of course, I've also taught at Word of Life Camp of, uh, Woods and a variety of other places where, again, sometimes talking about ethics and contemporary issues. And as you well know, one of the big issues, I think, for all of us as Christians is how to think about these issues from a biblical point of view. This conversation with Kirby Anderson in the Point of View Radio Studios will continue in just a moment on First Person. One year ago, I heard that one of FEBC's radio stations aired in our province, so I started to listen. Just one of millions of grateful people who listens to the Far East Broadcasting Company in her own language. So many Kazakh people here like listening to your radio broadcast, and we feel like a family because of it. Thank you so much for broadcasting to our nation. FEBC is dedicated to taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. To learn more, please visit febc.org. That's febc.org. My guest is my friend Kirby Anderson of Point of View Ministries, Probe Ministries, and Kirby just has such a great mind that really helps us develop a Christian worldview. Um, I know that this has been a mission of yours in your life, Kirby. Um, when you look at this generation uh, coming behind us, how are we doing? You know, biblical literacy has been a problem in the past. Do you see that as a problem now? I think it's even a bigger problem than we might imagine. A number of years ago at Probe Ministries, we began to recognize, you know, when we're doing these conferences, we're not getting a lot of people showing up. And uh, there just seems to be a lot less of an interest. So we spent an inordinate amount of money uh, with a Barna Research and with other groups to, first of all, research the millennial generation and have done the most extensive analysis of born-again millennials that's ever been done. Uh, and so came to the conclusion that, yes, all those problems you've been hearing about are true, and it's in some respects worse than you might have imagined. And then we started having pushback because some people say, well, I see these other surveys that say that we're not doing that bad. You know, mm-hmm. maybe these are kids that just left the church for a while, and they'll be like the swallows to Capistrano come back again. <laughs> and so we then put together research evaluating every one of those, whether it's Christian Smith, whether it's Baylor, some of the Barna studies, all sorts of individuals, and again, put that in material. And then after that said, okay, what are we going to do about it? And so we have a program called Periscope to see beyond and look above and see beyond to really begin to put together a church-based program, which is used in many churches around the country, which has sermon topics, a book of reading that I've put together, uh, all sorts of videos, music as well by a Dove award-winning artist and those kinds of things to really kind of address that issue. But back to your big question, we are talking about not just the Generation Y, millennial generation, but now we have one coming beneath them, which is Generation Z, which many people call the iGen generation. Gene Twinge calls them that because if you say that the millennials are from baby 1980 to 1995, the new generation we're talking about is from 1995 up. And those in that Generation Z, iGen, they have always grown up with those digital devices. Yeah, and the Internet. 
Yes. That's all they've ever known. They have never had a time. Because, yeah, Eve's show Wednesday on our millennial roundtable here at Point of View, we have millennials. And uh, Nick Pitts and Chelsea Human and all sorts of individuals, Grant Skeldon, are all around the table, and they let me in as a token, <laughs> uh, you know. But what is interesting is when we talk with some of these millennials, I know, for example, Chelsea said, I didn't even have a phone until I was almost graduating from high school. Well, that has never been the case for the iGen generation. Right. Elementary Some school of them, now, when yeah. they were two years old, had an iPad in their lap. And knew how to use it. And all those kinds of things. <laughs> so we are facing, first of all, a technologically advanced generation. But back to your other key question, probably the most biblically illiterate generation. Mm-hmm. There are allusions that you and I could make that they would go, I don't even know what you're talking about. Or my favorite story is, is that here in Dallas, one of my friends teaches at the Dallas Art Institute. And when she teaches on architecture, she will take them into various buildings. Without a doubt, when they walk into a church, more than half of the kids say, this is the first time I've ever been inside a church. Oh, boy. Now, Wayne, think about evangelism. Just think about this idea that, oh, they'll come back to church. They were never in church in the first place. And so this is the most unchurched generation it is a generation known as the nuns, meaning none of the above. Mm-hmm. They are atheist, agnostic, or in most cases, just no preference. It's not like they hate religion. They just don't even think about religion. It's just not part of their experience. So this is the great mission field right here in the United States. So, And this is who you address when you go to the secular college campus. So what's, what's typically a topic for you when you go on one of these campuses? And lately, you're starting from scratch, Yeah, Lately, it's been something that would be attractive to them. So it is either something like... Like uh, intelligent design, which I've done recently, and we were supposed to do a debate with the ACLU, but I ended up speaking, and then a student came up and gave his answer to that and all of that. <laughs> or the kind of things that Ravi Zacharias does as well, where, you know, is the Bible true? Can we know truth? Those mm-hmm, kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're almost all, to use a Francis Schaeffer phrase, pre-evangelism. These people aren't necessarily even asking questions. So, you know, arguments for the existence of God or is the Bible even true? Is it reliable? And you get all sorts of pushback because they think they know what's in the Bible, but they haven't read it at all. They just heard that it's, you know, homophobic and toxic and intolerant and those kinds of things. So the, the atmosphere on the universities today is pretty intense. And as a result, that, again, I think plays into this whole idea of the biblical illiteracy that we just sort of have to overcome. Do you feel like you are accepted? Do they, are they listening? Are, are you convincing anyone? First of all, it is harder to get on the campus than it used to be. And the reason for that is is that uh, they used to have more liberals in charge of the university. And your classic liberal perspective would be, okay, you and I may disagree, but you have the right to express your opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, the liberal view would sometimes be, I may disagree with you, but I will defend passionately your right to express that. But liberals have been replaced by leftists. And I make a distinction. Sometimes we use those words synonymously, but I think Dennis Prager has done a good job of saying a liberal would be those kinds of people, some of whom I even have on point of view. A leftist says you do not have a right to your view, that your view is toxic, your view is uh, the reason we have the problems we have today, and so as a result, oftentimes it's even more difficult to get on the campus. It's not as hard sometimes to get a sponsoring group to get you on campus, but the, the days when I used to be invited into a classroom and said, 
oh, well, you know, you've heard um, my view. So I thought at least for one hour, we can hear Mr. Anderson's view here. <laughs> and I always would start by saying, and he's paid you a high compliment that he's convinced that you're not going to have your whole life destroyed simply by hearing my point of view. <laughs> good good uh, way to do it. Thank but you. the bottom line is, is that now they're not even wanting to invite you into the classroom. Lots have of you been booked and, and subsequently blocked? Um, not too much because I'm not doing that as much now. As okay. you know, radio is kind of like a dairy farm. you got to milk <laughs> yeah, the cows every day. It happens day. every day. <laughs> yeah. So there is a sense in which I don't. But, you know, some of my other colleagues like Dr. Ray Bull and others get to go there. And sometimes we've had that. That has not been as much of a problem because a lot of the universities we've gone to aren't quite as hostile. But, you know, Ben Shapiro, Heather McDonald, a variety of others have been blocked at those major yes. universities. Right, right. Uh, Charles Murray. And so in some respects, I've been able to go to somewhere the students and some of the faculty may be hostile, but they haven't blocked us only because we're not necessarily going to the most radical ones. Although over the years, I've spoken at Princeton and Michigan and all sorts of places. But Wayne, one of the things I'll say real quickly, sometimes the greatest hostility is not in the elite universities. It's been in the ones where there's a real division. You know, we've had more tension at Auburn University or Texas A&M. And I think part of it is because you have a number of conservative kids, mm-hmm. even professors, and then liberal kids and professors. And it's kind you, of a you're, clash then. Yeah, you're yeah. walking into a war that yeah. uh, maybe isn't quite so threatening if you're at Princeton saying, yeah, I've never heard from a Christian. Okay, we'll give you a chance, you mm-hmm. know, give you one chance to s- explain yourself. Well, Kirby, you are obviously following God's call on your life, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, it's a life well spent. Uh, thank you for doing what you do. Most of us won't be invited to a college campus. But we might uh, be in the coffee room with right. a coworker who doesn't believe in God. Right. What's a starting point for us? Well, I think, first of all, just help them understand that as we look around, we see evidence of intelligent design. You know, I mentioned that before. Uh, Romans 1 says that, you know, they are without excuse. And so we see evidence for the creation. We see evidence for our minds and our bodies. And really, there are individuals right now that might reject a Christian message, but then they try to find some way to fill it up. They're looking for some kind of spirituality. They're still fascinated by superheroes and supernatural and those kinds of things. So I think it illustrates the fact that, as the Scriptures say, eternity is placed in the hearts of each individual. And I think of nothing else. I think we should just begin to ask some questions. Well, why don't you believe in God? You know, uh, uh, if I were to find some material that I could pass on to you that's at the Probe website or the Point of View website or Ravi Zacharias's website or Norm Geisler's website. A lot of great resources. Would, would, you, yeah. would, do, would you be willing to read that and start the conversation that way? And I think most of the time they'll go, I had no idea there was that much evidence for Christianity. Yeah. And very often it doesn't begin with the deep, deep issues. We sometimes just feel like we, if it does get deep, we don't know how to answer the questions they may have. And, and so we're put off by that. Yeah. And I think the good news is, as I've just alluded to, there are just all sorts of resources that are out there now that did not exist even a few years ago. So uh, if somebody asks you a tough question, you go, okay, I don't have an answer, but let me look it up. Right. Can, we, can I bring it back to you? Right. And most people go, okay, Good approach. I'll see what you have to say. Good approach. Kirby, it's great to have seen you again uh, after a length of time of uh, not being in contact. So thank you for this, uh, this time. I know you've got your own radio show to do in a few moments, so uh, I guess we'll have to let you go. Well, and again, thank you for coming by, and it's just great to see you yeah. face-to-face. God bless you. How can we pray for you in your ministry? Well, again, I would uh, just pray for the open doors that exist, whether it's on campus, whether it's in radio, whether it's through the Internet, and that, I think, is just a great prayer that we should pray for any ministry, but certainly for ours. I agree, Kirby. Kirby Anderson, our conversation recorded in his Dallas studio prior to him doing his own show that day. Kirby is the host of the syndicated program Point of View, as well as the president 
president of Probe Ministries. And we'll put links to Kirby and his involvement with these organizations at firstpersoninterview.com. Also, at our website, you can listen to past programs in our archive and look ahead to see what's coming up in the weeks ahead. Go to firstpersoninterview.com. A special word of thanks to the Far East Broadcasting Company who have made it possible for us to bring you today's interview. FEBC celebrates the stories of people everywhere who give their lives to Jesus. For more about reaching the world for Christ through radio and new media, please visit febc.org. Take some time to explore the video reports you'll see there online. FEBC is actively involved in many hard-to-reach places, but the gospel message is penetrating those barriers. Learn more at febc.org. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.